0: Communicating the importance of protecting personal data to children comes with its own set of challenges. Their young lives are being played out in an increasingly digital landscape, with friendships formed on online gaming platforms and connections more likely to be made on social media than real life. As the UK Secretary of State for Digital Media and Culture Michelle Donlan stated in an open letter to parents about the online safety bill, there's an urgent need to protect children from harmful and inappropriate content, from cyberbullying and pornography to posts that encourage eating disorders or depict violence. In this podcast... ODPA Communications and Outreach Officer Kirsty Bugord explains how she talks to children about the real life risks associated with online activity in a way that engages rather than alienates them. Kirsty, thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you. You lead our outreach programme in local schools. What tools do you use to engage and inspire children to look after their personal data and get them to really understand the potential for harm?
1: Um, Hi, Catherine. Yeah, thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk to you. Well, I mean, talking to young people about personal data, is not really any different to talking to them about anything else. Um, So if you can just get their attention and make it fun and engage them in some way, then they all listen. So I think giving it some context and examples of things they understand and will probably care about as well, that helps too. So I always start by trying to do something as active as possible so they're not just sitting and listening because that, that never works. And I want them to join in so ideally I'd get them up and moving about but um, I can't do that in a limited space and with limited time. So I I do try to involve them in the session from the start by getting them to do something active which with the way I've designed the year eight sessions means that they have to put their hands up to answer questions. So straight from the start getting them to speak to me and to engage Um, And I also try to think about something they can relate to and know about. So in a way, I tell them a story about how the law came into being. And once you explain the reason we have the law, and it's because of what happened during the Second World War and the way people's personal data, their information was collected and then used to persecute, discriminate and and ultimately murder millions of people, then that's a wake-up call. But it's also something they know about, and especially with where we live in the Bailiwick of Guernsey. It's something that they have not first-hand knowledge of, but probably family knowledge of, and also it's very much surrounds us in our environment, what happened during the Second World War.
0: Kirsty, do sometimes the questions they come out with surprise you as well?
1: Yes, the questions definitely, and also the knowledge... So sometimes you can get some real curveball questions. I mean, unfortunately, I can't think of a good example now, but they could ask you something really random that you think, where did that connection come from? But I always try to answer as honestly as I can. So I don't know the answer. Then obviously I tell them that I don't know the answer. And, you know, maybe we discuss how we can look into it or suggest it might be something they can follow up with their teacher because there's there's always going to be a teacher there with me. But it's also the knowledge that they have sometimes and the way that they've... Extrapolated what I've told them into something else that, but it relates to them and also does relate to what I think about so quite often I could almost rewrite the session after every one I've delivered because the young people I've spoken to have given me something back and given me ideas because they are such a, a wealth of information and knowledge and their experience is obviously so different to mine because of the way that they've grown up surrounded by this technology and these digital platforms that didn't exist when I was younger.
0: You do have a formidable uh, background though and base of knowledge which the children are very lucky to benefit from. You're a trained teacher, former journalist, uh, former uh, chemist and you also have a MSc in science communication. How has this background helped you in your role?
1: Yeah I mean there's quite a lot of different things I suppose that don't seem very related when you think about them separately Um, but they are similar in a way and I try to draw on everything I've done before and obviously everything I do now obviously all of those things are actually quite creative but I'll come back to that in a minute and if I think about where I am now I mean I've got teenage children I've worked with young people in various roles over the years um and I, I've always tried never to talk to young people any differently even when my children were babies I tried to speak to them as a human and I also try to think about the world they live in and how different things are for them like I said before about you know the digital landscape that they've grown up in is very difficult different to what I had but also think about what their priorities are and what matter to them so I might not get it right um, but I always try to think about the fact that my session is one of many in a day but it needs to be educational obviously memorable but most importantly enjoyable because I think if the session's fun or at least more fun than they expect it to be hopefully they'll remember some of what we do and take some messages away from that and like I mentioned before the science background that's helpful because people often think that means you're not creative but actually that's a huge mistake because for someone to come up with a completely new idea that no one has thought of before actually requires a huge level of creativity I'm not saying that's me but that the fact that scientists do have to be very creative when I first left science I was a science journalist and I also worked for one of the organisations that helped to promote science so I did have to think carefully about using straightforward language explaining what could be complicated ideas in a simple way and I, I love trying to think of something different or a different way to look at things and the science communication qualification that embeds a need to ensure that every source I use or article I read that informs you know what I'm trying to do comes from a reputable source and from an ethical place So hopefully I'll look and check and it wasn't funded by a think tank with maybe a vested interest and a certain viewpoint. Um, I check the veracity of the information um, because if I'm sharing it, that's obviously very important. And if I can impart some of that thinking to young people, then that would be amazing because there are people on social media using their platform for good and they genuinely have relevant qualifications and expertise to share. But there's probably a lot more out there that just want to share their opinion as fact And it doesn't really matter to them how unsavoury or dangerous it might be.
0: Now, one of the creative coups that you came up with, because data protection is a hard sell sometimes, particularly to children, but the data bears... Uh, proved a huge hit with both local children and adults as well and if you don't know what they are they're these reflective yellow bears which you can hang on your bag or clothing and help you stay safe and seen during dark winter days but there's also an awful lot more behind them tell me a little
1: bit about them so yeah when I was trying to think about personal data um, and how to make young people care about it I was thinking how young people would really struggle to visualize data and understand what it is and and why it matters and so obviously I came up with a lot of silly ideas and dead ends but that got me thinking about how most children have a favorite toy when they're younger and you know they want to take it with them everywhere and it's probably their most precious thing and even when they're older they they remember that toy and how special it was to them so for example I can remember the trauma of thinking we'd lost a bunny on a plane um and you know the toy could never go in the hold luggage so I thought what if you get children to imagine their personal data as something like that so precious to them that they wouldn't want it to just be given out to anybody they wouldn't want it to be with bunny you know out of their sight so if you can get children to think about their personal data as something like that then you can give them all these kind of scenarios that just suddenly make sense so, you know, don't share it unless you know what's going to be done with it. You expect it to come back to you in a good condition or in the same way you left it. You want to know where it is when it's not with you. You you know, you'd want to know what's done with it. And it just made perfect sense. Um, and I should say, though, that when I started, when I first came up with the idea, I did start looking into it. And I, well, I'm not the first person to have thought of it, the idea of thinking of data as a toy. But I only found one other person in my search that had even suggested it. And, and honestly, I think... It just seems to make such sense. I think it should be out there more, which is why it's great that people like the data bears. And it was one of the nicest things that people actually wanted the data bears. And and to, when I go back into schools, if I was doing a, a sessions, you know, over uh, a few days in a school, and then you see the, the young people from the previous sessions with the, de- the bears on their bags, and it's really cool. And people were talking about their data bears, and you know, so that can is a way of imparting an idea and knowledge to people but like you say not just to young people but adults love them too so just wonderful I'm so happy that it worked and I love my data bed too. (laughs) Well I do
0: too it created a real connection in the community but also sort of gave data protection such a sort of um, abstract term but it gave it a physical shape you know something that people could actually identify with and also sort of became a bit of a symbol of the office as well so it was you know it had many benefits of it because I mean the role of Education and awareness is part of our statutory duty as the independent data protection regulator and places particular emphasis on work programmes targeting the bailiwick's younger generation. But what are the specific challenges of communicating complex legislation with children?
1: Well, I guess it's the same as communicating to anyone, Um, and obviously you know yourself as an also-journalist as well, um, how difficult it can be to get messages across. And often when you think you couldn't have made the point any clearer, people still interpret it differently or see it completely differently. But with the young people I meet, I'm not trying to get them to understand the complexities of the law. I really just want them to start to think about their personal data and what it is, and if they leave their sessions with more of an understanding of what personal data is and why they should care about looking after it, then that's a win for me. You know, If they're starting to ask questions and pause and reflect before just blithely sharing information or ticking boxes, then that's great and a good start. And you know, to be honest, these young people are way more tech-savvy than me and definitely more knowledgeable about the digital platforms that they use. You know, They are digital natives and have grown up with a completely different outlook, But I always think about the fact that they're our future and we need them to care about the way personal data is handled and used so we can all try to think ethically before the event rather than after. Um, And I'm kind of borrowing an analogy here that um, Emma Martins, our lovely commissioner, uses to talk about cars. But so if we think about we're building a car, so if we build a car that can do 100 miles an hour, and then we only think about adding brakes or a steering wheel or seatbelts after it's been built, so when it already has the capacity to go 100 miles an hour. Then we've done something wrong because we've created something very dangerous that's not safe. So we need to do the same thing with personal data. We need to think about the seatbelts, the steering wheel and the brakes at the same time as what we can do with the data. Working with personal data can offer fascinating careers and opportunities, but also these technologies that are built on the use of personal data you know, it's very exciting what can be done. So if the young people that might be working in these areas or creating these opportunities themselves understand about personal data and why we need to look after it, then the future of something like, for example, AI could look really different. You know, ethics shouldn't be an afterthought, but part of the decision in make- making in the first place. And I know historically that's not how things have gone in many areas. But, you know, hopefully we can start to bring that about. And if, if I play a tiny little part in that, then that's amazing. And, and I'm very grateful to be given the opportunities I have to do that.
0: And we always say that it's one conversation at a time. And I've seen you talking to children and that light bulb moment when they realise that data protection is actually about them. It's personal to them and it's about their well-being. But how, how do you go about doing this?
1: Well, it's difficult because, to be honest, you never really know if you're going to get that light bulb moment or not. And it can be different for every class and every person you speak to. So, you know, what gets one person's attention one day and makes them think about their data or anything for that matter can be different, you know, the next day. But what I really love and enjoy and feed off is that, you know, the questions they ask and the conversations you have. So quite often you might have someone who's a little quiet um, when you're, you know, just at the front and asking them to... To get involved, but then when you go around and speak to them individually, you'll get some really interesting comments and questions. I feel very important about the way that I structure the sessions so that nobody feels on the spot, but everyone has a chance to to chat and to talk and to engage with what I'm trying to talk about. Recently, as well, we've been really fortunate; we've been able to partner with the Youth Commission, and they have so much experience going into schools and working with young people. We're really lucky to be able to tap into that. And also, you know, there's only one of me, but there's a lot of them. And it's really helped with our reach and I think our getting the message out there. And it's lovely to see, you know, when you're working with those guys, you know, how you can sometimes see their light bulb moments or even with the teachers that are sat in the class. Because that's one of the things I find very interesting is sometimes, you know, maybe the class has been a little quiet But quite often the teacher will come over afterwards and say, oh, my goodness, I never thought about that. And you have a lovely conversation. Um, So it's about everyone, really. It's about everybody that you meet, you know, or anyone that stops you in the corridor. Um, Like the receptionist at the school when I went one day and they asked, oh, have you got any more of those data bears? Because they thought they were really cool. And so I explained what they're about and they loved them.
0: One of your other talents, just finally Kirsty, is also to try and get the children not just to engage with them yourself but to get the children to engage with each other and you've, one of the ways you've done this is through the postcard competition which is going at the moment and um, sort of what's your, what's your thinking behind this and why is it so important for the children to sort of all be on board and to talk about this with their peers? Well
1: that that peer-to-peer learning is like the golden um, goal that everybody wants to get you know once you've got somebody who feels they understand well enough that they can share that with somebody else then you know real learning and deep understanding has taken place so I mean that's just a fantastic outcome if it happens but even if they don't necessarily understand it but they just talk about it and share that information. So if we think about the people that the the young people I meet or the youth commission meets, the people that they live with or that look after them, that they go out and mix with, if they are then even just mentioning a little bit of that to them, then we're starting to get that knock on effect of people hearing about it and understanding that's really what it's so important about for me, because if we think about how effective young people are and have been in getting the environmental messages across, for example, to the older gen- generations, then it's clear that it works and um historically as well, young people are often the people in society that bring about change and reform. So hopefully we can tap into that and start to bring about a wider understanding. Of the importance of looking after personal data across multiple generations, and it can start to ripple out um, from a few people dotted here and there, which I guess is kind of the idea with Project Bijou as well, and which is why our Project Bijou seeds, which is what the young young people programme is called, what well, that's all about. You know, they are the seeds that we're planting that will hopefully grow and spread across the community.
0: And we can all benefit from that, Kirstie. So thank you so much for everything you do. We're very lucky to have you and it's been lovely chatting to you. Thank you, Catherine.